Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hedlund. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insights into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, hello and welcome to Kingdom Family Talks. My name is Michael Raftery and I am here with the one and only Leif Hetland. Hello, sir. How are you today? Hey, hey. I'm actually doing very, very well and happy. Happy Thursday to you. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So today we are talking about something that is pretty close to me. Um, We're talking about life's bitter pool, grief, and what it looks like to navigate grief and what it looks like to be a Christian and a lover of Jesus and to invite him into our grief, to invite him into the places where we feel pain. Um, My journey with grief has been an extensive one because uh, in my early 20s, I experienced some great loss in my life. And that loss was affected me a lot deeper than I knew it did. Um, It created a pretty dramatic response within me. And at that time, I didn't know how to deal with grief. And so what I did is I acknowledged that the thing had happened, but I stuffed the grief down and I just kept going. I thought if I just keep moving, if I just stay busy, if I just pursue my dreams and my life, then I'll be fine. This grief will resolve itself. And I found out through the next few years into my late 20s that actually these behaviors of unhealthiness had started to manifest themselves in my life. And these things that started coming out, these things that started happening, um, Through counseling, through talking it out with spiritual leaders, through talking it out with the people in my life, and just sitting with the Lord, I realized that these these places in me, these unhealthy behaviors, were just fruits of roots of grief and loss that I had never allowed myself to feel. Mm. Roots of grief that I had never processed. Roots of grief that I had never walked through with Him. I realized that, that Jesus wanted to encounter me in my grief but he couldn't do so until I invited him into it. And it was at that time that I began to invite him to go on the journey with me of processing grief. And some, some, of, those, some of those grief moments are just moments, and they happened in a few minutes on the floor <laughs> crying with the Lord, and, and I felt healing and resolution. And some of those moments have been years of walking out with him and continuous surrender of saying, actually, like, I'm still grieving this. I'm still grieving this, Jesus. Here it is, Jesus. I'm still grieving it. So that's been some of my journey that I'm continuing to walk out with grief and acknowledge it. But I know that you've had your own personal journey with grief and have a lot of amazing revelation on what it looks like to walk through it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, as, as you know, that this is part of uh, the bigger picture of life's bitter pool. And so first of all, thank you for sharing your journey and your story, Michael. But it's like on our journey towards wholeness, where the Father loves us just the way we are, but he refuses for us to stay that way because he wants us to be like Jesus. 
Jesus, and Jesus was whole. He was uh, full of shalom. But in this journey in life towards our promised land, leaving Egypt, but there's things that has happened in Egypt. There's things that happens in the wilderness. There's things that takes place even as you're getting to life's bitter pool, and you have to actually going in and 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 look in the mirror and starting to deal with some of those things. That is part of uh, uh, the journey towards wholeness. And sometimes uh, you just have encounters that changes us, but nine out of 10 times I have seen you go through processes and, and you just value it very differently when, when you bring Jesus into the processes instead of if it just happened immediately, which I do love as I've had some of those experiences. So I think that my grief, and let me just first, let's define a little bit what we're talking about when you're talking about grief. And I just wrote down a couple of thoughts here. First of all, it is an involuntary emotion that you experience when you lose something or someone that is valuable to you. So there's something in your life or someone in your life, something that took place. For some people that can be, it is that dream, that dream that was gone. Uh, I have somebody when they just got the news that you couldn't have a baby or another one who used to work here that after 10 years of waiting, got a prophecy in a meeting in our kingdom family gathering and then got pregnant. After 10 years of praying and believing and standing for the promises, the prophetic came and then eventually lost the baby during this time and just walking with them through grief. So grief can happen in so many different areas. And for my life, it's, I mean, I was looking back when I was a nine-year-old boy and my, because my my dad was starting a new business in another city, in another area of the country. And as a result of that, I left my friends, I left my security, left the school, left my home, left the tree that I used to climb, and all of these things into uncertainty. And just all the things I was missing, I was going through a deep grief as a nine-year-old. But there was nobody kind of to talk because everybody was busy with a lot of kids. We were six in our family. So you go into those things and you don't realize that now at the age of 54, that some of those things affects you even and some of the things that you do and say. Uh, the abuse when I was 12 years old and some of that where you kind of the innocence was taken away and you felt dirty and some of that pain that the grief that you went through but you didn't realizing at the time. And over the years of people dying and losing friends two of the three closest people that I had covenant friendship with and relationship like Jonathan and David when Todd died I went through I didn't realize it such a deep journey of, of grief but I didn't have the time to grieve because I still had to go to Pakistan all over the world being an event and many times minister to people with grief but on the inside I realized I'm, I'm bleeding on the inside I'm going through grief and, wow. and, and, and in the middle of all of that I just uh, I think there's some beautiful lessons that I have learned I know Charlie Brown from the popular Peanuts series he just said when, whenever he was stuck or trapped or frustrated he always says good grief yeah. and uh, I've learned also a lot of grief from my spiritual father, Papa Jack, when he'd been married for almost 50 years to Barbara and he lost Barbara. Mm -hmm. And again, there's something or someone that you love and value very highly when you lose them. There's something that's taking place and is connected to grief. And you know also uh, what level of grief it is connected to how deep love went and how much you value something or someone. And so that's also very important for us, even as you're starting this journey to find healing and to find wholeness to be able to bring jesus the prince of peace mm -hmm. 
shalom, wholeness into those areas of grief. That's why he says, blessed are the ones that mourn and for they shall be comforted. And so there is something then that word blessed is the Greek word makarios. So makarios means like the highest form for joy or happiness that you can have. That's the Greek word makarios, blessed. The highest form for happiness and joy is it for the ones that mourn because they will experiencing comfort. So if we don't mourn with grief, if we don't weep with the one that weeps, if we don't go in and do this journey, then often what you see, there's pain, deep hidden core pain in your life. And a pain is looking for pleasure. So in the next moment, then you will start to medicate yourself and people do it either to rebellion or religion. Meaning you're either going to going after something and that could be for some people it is porn or for other people it's drugs and medication or it's alcohol. It's going to be, it's going to be some area you're going to go to try to fill some of that void if you're not aware of that and deal with that and heal that because that pain that is in there is looking for something to comfort and if we don't do it in a healthy way so of course we're living right now in a pandemic in COVID-19 we just had a loss of my son-in-law's mom mm. and there's been other losses we've had but then you also have losses of dreams in this season things that you hope for loss of meeting not being able to travel and love other people not being able to be with family the way you're supposed to be and you go through some of that and and people are not even aware that we carry a lot of those things with us and it's affecting us in this season mm. so i think it's going to be very important for us to to be honest about grief, to be able to go on and, and, and not take it also so lightly because I think that to some degree it's like get over it or lay it at the cross or just invite Jesus in and it's over. It's just like loss. What I said when I was a pastor for almost 20 years, I said that when it comes to grief, when you lose somebody that you love, take at least one year to set it aside just to work on grief. So when there's been a deep loss, it takes about a year. You never get over it. Uh, but grief is like uh, when you're losing someone you love, it is not like having pneumonia and you get healed. It is if you have suddenly an arm that you lost. So when Todd was lost, I lost an arm. It's like amputation. Wow. So you lose something. So the first stages of that, you're bleeding to death. So the first part of that, you need to stop the bleeding. Mm. But then second of all, you need to start to heal the wound. Wow. But a third of it, you don't get that arm back. And you have to realize that. So now you have to learn to walk differently. That doesn't mean it has to be a handicap because even without an arm, I can operate and there is a lot of things that I can do. And it can be a strength as a reminder of the, those losses. But Todd will always be with me. Like I even have a tattoo here that I'm not necessarily recommending people to get, but I have a tattoo where I'm carrying Todd with me everywhere I go. And there's also here a Bob Phillips, who was the other one, the two covenant relationship. Because when you become one, someone when there's covenantal friendship and relationship, and especially also if violation or hurts or wounds or something mm -hmm. happened of somebody that you trust, and the deeper the trust level or the value level or the love level, the higher that is, the deeper also the process of grief needs to happen. Wow, that is powerful. There's something you say in, in your Transformed by Love book that I loved and just really hit me on a deep level. It's a paragraph that talks about um, vulnerability. And it says that even Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. And I love that because I think so often when we feel things, we think, oh, I just, I, I'm supposed to, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to feel happy. I'm supposed to feel joy. I'm supposed to feel this. I'm supposed to feel all the time. But realizing that he sympathizes with us in our sufferings because he felt that. He felt that sorrow. He felt that grief. 
And he even felt that grief knowing that Lazarus was going to raise from the dead. But he still grieved the fact that he was dead. I think that's just so beautiful and so powerful. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about about Jesus in the in the midst of grief? Yeah, I I think that the, Jesus just continued to amaze me. First of all, in regard to the way that he wants to walk with us, the way he can relate to us, the way that he can identify. I mean, if somebody knew grief, it was Jesus. But no one would expect that the most awaited king in history, he stepped into human flesh, uses his own body to baptize our grief in his perfect love. Where he walked the earth to embody love for us in our brokenness. And it's an impossibility to to walk with Jesus. If you take it through the four gospel or if you're just going on a journey with Jesus. I mean, imagine the grief for somebody that just realized you stopped bleeding and it continued to bleed. And according to the culture, you're unclean. And for 12 years, you've been unclean. You cannot be public. You cannot have tea with your friends or you cannot hang out. I mean, the grief of losing your whole society, the friendship and everything else, and you're unclean. Nobody, it's kind of a COVID-19 for 12 years and you're stuck there with this embarrassment of the bleeding. And then you hear that there is this man named Jesus there. Somebody has told this story. And then that person would leave that home press themselves throughout the crowd and just continue. I'm not going to stop until I touch him. When suddenly that person with grief touches Jesus, there's a flow of something that comes into Jesus. And I'm just overwhelmed many times when I'm looking at those stories from that perspective and then realizing there was something went out of Jesus into this woman that totally healed her. And then now she's thinking he must be upset because here she's touching the rabbi being unclean. According to all the laws, this is wrong. But instead, when Jesus is like, who touched me? And he's looking around. And then when you see the woman probably shaking a little bit, and it was very easy to know who it was when there was a lot of people touching him. And he says the word daughter, not sinner, not daughter. Uh, and it's just he shows this incredible identity and he can feel the pains with the people. If it is about the me who has been blind or even a person like Zacchaeus, even if they were corrupt and everything else that sits up in that sycamore tree. And for Jesus to coming in and starting to deal with some of the griefs that he has had in his life. So I think that the whole story of the gospel, it's almost an impossibility for us to be actually to be on a journey with Jesus without seeing over and over again how he did dealt with the grief in people's life. And that was including the story there with Lazarus because he was friends with the sisters, Mary and Martha, in regard to the story. And so when Jesus is coming in, they thought he was late. And yes, he knew what was going on. But when he sees the people that he loves hurting, he was hurting with them. When he see the people that was broken, he was broken with them. And this is one of the reasons that you want to follow Jesus. Why it's so important for me to take up my cross and following him. Because every single thing that I've gone through in my life, that Jesus, he went through it so that he could identify with me. Not just identify with me, but he could baptize in that grief in his love. He could allow his very life and his love to go into those hidden areas in my life. And that's uh, one of the greatest privileges that you can get. Uh, so I uh, I would say that it's just uh, 
Yeah, there's been a lot of grief over the years, but it's been good grief. I'm honest to say that when I'm looking back at all of those griefs, the sting of grief is not there. Uh, I've taken the time then to going into wholeness and experiencing Jesus, the Prince of Wholeness, inviting Jesus into the losses. And he says, I, I remember also he lost some people. The pain when he lost John the Baptist and, and that he loved so much and just the beheading of him. But also the pain when especially the garden on that Thursday when he walks into that garden and Father, Father, if there is another way. And then you come to the cross where he sees his own guys, his own friends, the ones he has spent life together with. It's another beautiful story of grief. And then eventually the cross and the experience on the cross when he is going to feel the grief of the world, the grief and the brokenness that people have had and take all of that grief on himself. And what he would feel separated from the perfect love and experience and that grief and to bear that. And that's one of the reasons also I had one of the scripture verses from Isaiah from the Passion Translation that I looked at. He was despised and he was rejected by men. A man of deep sorrows who was no stranger to suffering and grief. We hid our faces from him in disgust and consider him a nobody not worthy of respect. Yet he was the one who carried our sickness and endured the torment of our sufferings. So the very one that wanted to say Barabbas free, the very one that it was because of my sin that he went on the cross. And then in the next moment, but then you can see also the other stories, the very one that left him, that wouldn't even be there at the cross. They are fearful for their life. The one that was supposed to be in covenant relationship, he had given his life for them. He had changed them from a Simon Peter to an Andrew to James. And we know the story after three years with him, what grief did they go through? And probably by faith, for scripture verses for this whole COVID-19 season and you have heard me share this many times is the John 20 verse 19 to 23 where then you can see the disciples going through their COVID-19 season so after the hope of everything that was going to happen in their life because following Jesus and it was wonderful to be with Jesus until that Thursday came along and then it was Friday and then it was Saturday it just got worse mm. and now they're sitting there in this room stuck in this room full of fear that's verse 19 John 2019. And now Jesus again knows that what a grief they must have by losing their Savior, losing their Barabbai, losing their Lord, losing and feeling that all hell is celebrating and the fear of hell is there and there is this silence around the world and everybody, I mean, he got what he deserved. Not I mean, they have forgotten all about all the promises. And sometimes that's what grief does. So these disciples are stuck during grief. And then Jesus comes. He doesn't knock on the door because he is the door. He just fills that room with his presence. He comes in with his resurrected body that is not limited. Now he can just move into a room and shows up and everybody's like, oh. So first his presence comes in. And that's the first thing about grief, allowing his presence to come in and invite his presence to come in the middle of your room, in the middle of your heart, in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of your grief. And then the next thing he says, peace, peace on you. So he releases peace in the middle of the storm and he releases that shalom. And then he shows them his hands and his side. He said, whatever you're going through right now, guys, whatever is the hope deferred that made your heart sick. But when you start to desire again and dream again, it is the tree of life. So that hope deferred, that's what was happening, made your heart sick. Then he showed them the hands and side and said, I have provision for whatever you need. So when you're hurting, look at my hands and my side. When you have grief, look at my hands and my side. I took care of that for you. I want to walk with you. Come to me. Come to me. 
Michael, you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. You're not supposed to deal with this alone. I'm going to be with you. I can identify with you. And you see this beautiful process there that he takes them through the journey of healing them from grief. And then he sends them out to be able to bring healing to people with grief. Wow. That is powerful. So what would you say to a listener who experienced grief in their life, but never had the opportunity to work through it. And so finds himself now in a place where listening to this, they're recognizing, Oh, I have all this unresolved grief in my life that has found me in life's bitter pool that has found me in a place where I have bitterness or unforgiveness or these different things, because I need to allow myself to grieve these different things. What, what would you say to them? First of all, I think that uh, I would congratulate you that you're coming to the point that you can identify and to be honest that you do have this grief. And because what we like to do is either try to ignore it or try to run away from it or hoping it's going to get going away instead of that you have the opportunity now to be able to deal with it. And that's the first thing is just recognizing, acknowledging that you do have grief and you are allowed to feel some other ways you're feeling. Mm. The second one, when you acknowledge that grief is now to invite in Jesus into your grief so that you are not alone. So first is to acknowledge that grief, knowing that there's nothing you can do now to be able to fix it. Mm. Third of all, then bringing Jesus into that and allowing him to come in and starts to bring healing and wholeness to that. Then the next step is coming in and then making a list of things of that has affected as a result of that. Because it could be then that as a result of that grief, certain behavior could have affected other relationship, affected certain behavior. Something has come out of your life as a byproduct that you carried it. So now it's kind of, a, let's clean up some messes. So if I had that grief and I was not who I was supposed to be to my wife or to my children or because when Todd died or I maybe still even six months or a year later, these things came out and I didn't behave, then it's to clean up my messes. It's in other words, I go down to the different people and say, well, I'm asking for forgiveness and I'm asking you to give me what I don't deserve, forgiveness, because I, I was going through a grieving period of time. I didn't realize it. I was not angry at you. I was not upset with you. And just be able to start cleaning up our messes around. Making amends is the very word mm. that I feel is very important in the middle of it. And then the next thing that I wanted to say is also trying to help people to start on a journey to get to the other side of that grief. Mm. Because after the morning there is a rejoicing. After sadness there is also an oil of gladness that is coming in. So after the, the death of grief there is also a waiting period and then there is a resurrection of grief. So... I would encourage people. It's like Papa Jack. He had about a 40-day very deep grieving when he lost his second wife. But he took those 40 days and went very, very deep into his grief before he suddenly dealt with it. That would be the ideal thing for us, to take the time, depending, as I'm saying, how deep the love and how deep the loss. And and if, if it was either someone or something that was very valuable to you that was lost, and then the grieving period, when you're aware of what that is, then also according to the level of love and the level of value that you 
you're grieving, then the doors has to do with how deep you're going to allow his love and his value for you to going in and minister to some of those deep hurts and wounds. Find somebody also. Have somebody that you either can trust, be confident. Uh, for me, I've done that as having somebody I can share with. So I've been to Christian psychologist in the past, or I've been to a counselor, and I have uh, some very close dear friends. The blessing after a while, and now God has replaced those two people in my life that I lost. Not the same one. I, I got an amputation, yeah. but now suddenly, uh, so I'm saying what the enemy meant for evil, God used this for something good. So I started to say, it took me to be honest with you, Michael, I didn't even have people travel with me for over three years after the loss because it was so painful. So it took me that season, three some years, and then I started to bring a few people with me in different settings. But I was like, this is not the same as Todd, and I still struggle because I miss Todd, because he was supposed to be with me. Everything we were supposed to do, we were supposed to do together. And that grieving and... So it's uh, so that was very and every time I got around cancer, I got around certain things again because that's what his fight was, and uh, so I, in the middle of that journey now I have some two amazing people that God has brought into my life that has become covenantal friendship. But I, but the danger of this, Michael, is that there was almost a side of me that was afraid to get that close or bring some people that close into my to making covenantal friendship and relationship because then when you lose somebody. There's something in you that are dying. So the danger, if you do not deal with this in the right way, is that you are actually now holding people on a distance and you do not allow certain people to get into some of the closer area of your life. Because if you have had a Judas in your life, as an example, then it's very, very difficult for you in the next moment to have a John uh, if you do not deal with this right. So then what happens is that I wouldn't have some of those friendships that I have today that is so valuable to me, some covenantal friendship that you give your life for, they will give their life for you. I wouldn't have that if I didn't also start to risk again and just realizing that, yeah, I maybe have become an amputee, but even with my handicap, it's going to be a strength for me and I'm going to operate better because of the grief. And then the way I do one has been loss of something. One more simple lesson that I have about it is that the way I live and the way I love is with an awareness. So, so many times I'm thinking about uh, Todd's gifting and Bob. They are in heaven right now, so I've received the very thing that they do. So there's many things that I do in life here now that are bringing the very thing that they had in their account. I brought that in, and I'm stewarding their legacy by doing some of the things that they used to do. And that's also been such a beautiful thing and freedom, and just as I'm ministering that to many different people in different nations. Wow. Wow. I love how you finished with how you're you're continuing their legacy by bringing what they bring to the table. That's that's really beautiful and powerful. Um, Leif, I'm going to ask you for, for your final thoughts on grief, and then if you'll just pray for us to uh, to finish up our podcast today. Mm. Yeah. I, I, first of all, I thought that the gift of the gospel that we are talking about was grace to forget and cover shame like has never been seen before. But I think it is very important for us to see that the gospel, which is actually good news in regard to it, is for Jesus to coming into any of those hidden core area and the pain area and to be able to bring good news where there was bad news, to bring gladness where there's been sadness and starting to allow the gospel to work. And the gospel is there to be able to bring healing 
and bringing wholeness and to be able to restore the things that has been broken. Mm. So I just wanted to minister to anyone if you are out there and, and even in the middle of all of this, there can be grief. I'm, I'm not being able to be with my grandkids. I'm, I'm home and I've been quarantined or some of you even, I know somebody here with a health issue that you're not even pretty much be able to be out in the public, feel almost like a leper. Mm. I think there's somebody out there with emphysema or some lung problems and you just even fear if I were to get this COVID-19, what would happen to you? So I just wanted to minister to so many of you. You're missing out on being able to be in the church and the fellowship or being able to get the hug from people or just being able to be there. And, and you are in a grieving period of time. And it's just you're going through a, a grief and that's what's happening with you. And let's invite Jesus into your loneliness, into your grief and let him even at this moment just bringing his presence into you. So I just thank you so much, Jesus, for the way that you, just for the way that you love us and that you care for us, for the way that you just show up with your presence in the middle of the darkest cave, in the middle of a COVID-19 season, in the middle of grief, in the middle of the hidden core pain of our life, and you just show up in the middle of it. I thank you, Jesus, that you are not afraid of our messes. I thank you, Jesus, that, wow, that you can identify with our messes. Mm. And right there in the middle of even the hidden core pain in our life, we just invited you, Jesus, into those pain. Just sometimes you just want to sit with us there. Just like you did with Lazarus and just for the people that had a loss. Even if you knew the result, even if you know what's going to happen to us on the other side of that, while we are in the middle of our tunnel of grief. I thank you, Jesus, that you're going to be sitting with us in that tunnel. You're going to walk with us in a tunnel until we get to the other side. So I thank you for that, Jesus. And I'm speaking now specifically to people. I'm just releasing the very healing of Jesus right now. I ask that we're going to experience supernatural healing from grief, healing from sickness and disease. And many of the people there, even with the COVID-19, I just release over COVID-19 that Jesus is Lord. I just release that the precious blood of Jesus is just even at this moment going to just heal you heal you from all of this COVID-19 and I release also that the very blood of Jesus is going to minister to many of you that either have an immune system that is not operating well or even have some lung issues or other things that you have been suddenly you feel like shame or you live in fear or you you're hidden in that room and you're alone by yourself I'm just asking just like the disciple experienced in John 20 verse 19 that Jesus that you will just fill that room fill their room fill their hearts fill their body fill them with your presence being overwhelmed by your presence Jesus and just knowing that nothing can separate them from your love so at this very moment I just release and let us hear some of the stories from you let us hear some of the testimony as his peace and his presence and his provision 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 he says I took care of that for you be healed in the name of Jesus be free in the name of Jesus even just weep I just bless you to weep. Even as I just see some people are just sitting there and it just touched some of that pain. Whoa, the hidden core pain. That father that was gone. That child that was gone. That prodigal son that doesn't seem to come home. Jesus is just showing up right in the middle of it. 
and he's ministering to you, wiping some of your tears. And he's sitting there weeping with you, taking your hand at this very moment and give you the look. And all you know is it's going to be okay. Doesn't feel like it, but I can trust him. It's going to be okay. And you can just sit there as long as you need to sit there. But the time is going to come where you're going to rise up. And then you're going to start to walk with him through that dark tunnel into the light and into wholeness. And then you can help other people, so many other people that has been in a tunnel because you've been there and can help them into the same light. So I just bless you to be you. I bless you with shalom, wholeness in every area of your life. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.